Okay, uh, we've got two blue sheets. We're using the blue one that's got the hem on it. Um, it's an uh, unfamiliar hymn uh, for the third Sunday after Epiphany, which is coming up this Sunday. Uh, the title is, Why Art Thou Cast Down My Soul? Um, those words are taken from Psalm 42. Um, it's a psalm begins, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. And um, So it speaks about uh, uh, thirsting and reaching out for God. And in about three different spots, it speaks of this uh, uh, asking its own soul, uh, so why am I so cast down? Um, it goes on to, in uh, uh, it doesn't follow the rest of the psalm so much um, as it thematically gives the reasons why we ought not be cast down. So, let's go through uh, a, a, a bit of it. Why art thou cast down, my soul? Why art thou cast down, my soul? Oh, what mean thy sighs and sadness? Trust in him who makes thee whole, and thy griefs can turn to gladness. Often in the darkest hour, he reveals his love and power. And so with the Epiphany season, we have the revealing, the Epiphany, uh, revealing who Jesus is and uh, what he is doing for us. So even as it speaks here, what are we to do? We're to trust in the one who is able to make us whole, the one who uh, can restore us through the forgiveness of sins and all that he uh, provides for us. Uh, Sometimes it doesn't happen in our own time frame, as it mentions here. Even in the darkest hour, it may be that there we finally see his love and his power and how he is uh, providing for us. Stanza 2. On this ground thy anchor cast. Safe thou art in Christ confiding. Safe thou art in Christ confiding. All the griefs which here thou hast, all the griefs which here thou hast, are but shadows unabiding. Are but shadows unabiding. So, uh, as it says, cast your anchor, your your that thing which holds you firm upon our upon our God, um, trusting in Him. Even the griefs, the things that come our way, are not going to remain. They'll finally have to. Uh, uh, give way, it talks about them as, as shadows, not remaining, not abiding. And again, pushing us forward. Yes, there are things that are going on, but why should my soul be cast down? I'm looking forward to that which is going to come. It may come at the last hour, or as it here describes it. Soon thy cross shall pass away. Soon thy cross shall pass away. Joy shall come that lasts for a. Joy shall come that lasts for a. 
So it also speaks of kind of the cross. Um, it says it will finally give way to what we would call the resurrection or the new life, that uh, thing. And so it, it, it speaks in that way that, uh, yes, we're going to go through this, but thirst for God, the one who is uh, going to provide for us. Let me read stanza three. Christ, uh, Christ's own way is always good. Christians find this consolation. He who bought thee with his blood now stands pledged for thy salvation. Rest upon his sacred word that assurance doth afford. And so tonight we're going to be directing our attention once again to the word, the word that he has uh, uh, given. We're going to see to the centurion as well as to the uh, man who has leprosy. And so uh, by resting upon the sacred word, we uh, know that Christ's own way, which is always good, will, will be done. Stanza four. Jesus gives us joy and tears, blessed be his name forever. When thy way most dark appears, trust in him, despond thou never. Weary soul, when sore distressed, call on him and be at rest. And so this directing us to pray to him, to call upon him, the one who uh, uh, will lead us through Five, surely narrow is the way to the land of gladness yonder. While on this sad earth we stay, we must here as pilgrims wander. Through the desert we must roam till we Canaan reach our home. And so it lets us know that uh, this is not our final home. We're pilgrims. We're wandering here till we get to that which is our promised land, our land of Canaan, Um, and while we go through this, there are many paths, we want to make sure that we stay on the narrow way, the way that Christ has provided. Stanza 6, repeat after me, upward then my weary soul, soul. where where the crown of life is given. Pressing onward to the goal, pressing onward to the goal, I shall win the bliss of heaven. I shall win the bliss of heaven. For O oh, Jesus, I am thine. For O oh, Jesus, I am thine. Blessed am I, for thou art mine. Blessed am I, for thou art mine. And so that directing us forward, even in the midst of our uh, troubles and distress, that we would look forward uh, to the crown of life, to heaven which is to come. And it says, lift up our our weary soul, uh, be comforted by all these things which the Lord has provided along along the way. Um, This particular hymn, I don't know it very well. Yeah, but it's not exactly. <laughs> um, has the choir sung it? Good. Some of the choir members sing loud. <laughs> we'll sing through stanza one, and then later we'll sing through the whole thing. Is Jesus lives the victory one. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I know, I know the, uh, I know the beat on that one, yeah. but. Uh, Why art thou cast on my soul? Oh, what mean thy sights and sadness? Trust in Him who makes me whole. And thy grief stands into gladness. Often in the darkest hour, he reveals his love and power. We'll come back and do that one uh, when we get to the service. All right, catechism, we're on confession. Confession on absolution. What is confession? Repeat after me. Confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins. And second, that we receive absolution. That is forgiveness. From the pastor as from God himself. Not doubting, but firmly believing. Not doubting, but firmly believing. That by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. That by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. Confession. Hmm. Confession. Confession has two parts. And then it includes the word confession with it. Normally you don't want to include the word in the actual definition. Um, But it is that way. Confession has confession and absolution. Um, So we can use confession to refer to the whole thing. Or we can use confession to refer to just one part. Let's deal with the two parts first. So, confession, first, that we confess our sins. Now we use the word confess again. Ah, Give me another word for confess. Admit. Admit. So, first, that we admit our sins. Uh, So, to admit it. Can I brag about it? How about that? That would be to admit it. Wow, I got a really good sin. Let me tell you this one. That would be admitting. It's not quite confession, though. Why not? You're not sorry for it if you're proud about it. Yeah, normally when we talk about admitting sin, um, what is sin then? Disobeying God's word. So, I normally would not want to brag about disobeying God's word. Uh, No, in fact, knowing that this is displeasing to God, knowing that God is angry, that uh, uh, this is his will, and so we would displease him, there ought to be a a sorrow that goes uh, in connection with this admitting our sin, uh, admitting that we have done what we shouldn't do, that we have broken God's command. Uh, So, first that we can confess our sin. 
if we're really sorry, will God forgive us? Yes. <laughs> what if we're not really sorry? Yeah, I, I'm, it's not that the confession is like the payment where you say, well, now you know I want God to forgive me. Okay, let me pay you. Here's my confession. And then by paying God our confession, then, then he says, okay, here you go. You earned it. Unless you're Catholic. It's what? Unless you're Catholic. Yeah. But we're not. What now? But we're not. Like I said. Um... Yeah, so confession is not our payment. Um, it's simply something that we have been, well, brought to a realization by the law. The law has taught us. It has taken us where we didn't. Now, how come we didn't know that we had sinned? How come we needed the law to show it to us? Because we're naturally sinful. Because we're what? We're naturally sinful. Yes. So it's hard for a sinner to look at his sin because that's just the way we are. Um, it's hard to examine. It's more so that we know that it's displeasing to God. Because, that, I mean, you can still see, oh, my action made somebody else mad or it was bad for them. Okay, you can see that. But you can't know that it's displeasing to God without very good. Sometimes my actions harm or hurt somebody else. Sometimes my own actions of sin uh, have an effect on me and my life. Makes me lose my job. Makes me, you know, lose my reputation with someone else. Harms me, what, what, whatever it might be. Um, but to know that it has an effect upon God, the law... Of God has to reveal this to us. The world tells us a lot of this isn't sin. Yes. It's perfectly okay. Um, True. True. In fact, I like to justify myself. I think I'm pretty good. The world tells me, yeah, it's okay. Do whatever you want. Um, Right. And so, uh, confession is something that God works by his law, and he, you would say, teaches us or brings it out of us, creates it in us so that we acknowledge uh, what we have done and what we've done against him and, well, what we deserve. The next is, second, that we receive absolution. Now, it explains in the next part, uh, um, forgiveness, absolve like a solvent is something that washes. And so when we use the word absolution, it's the idea of washing away and absolving. Um, It's speaking about forgiveness. Um, Second, that we receive. We receive. This is not something that we are producing. Uh, the gospel doesn't produce something in us, produce a, a forgiveness in us. The gospel tells us about what God has done. And it presents to us a forgiveness of sins. It presents to us an absolving, a washing away in which God says, I am freely offering, giving this to you. Um, I want you to have this that your uh, 
punishment for your sin, that you might not be held accountable for that, that there might be forgiveness. And so it says, second, that we receive, this is the forgiveness or absolution. The Roman church, at the time that Luther wrote this, taught that confession had three parts. They talked about penance, uh, contrition. They talked about confession. They talked about satisfaction. Um, Contrition, you had to be sorry. You had to be really sorry. Um, How sorry? Well, sorry enough to trigger God giving you something. Confession, you had to say it out loud. And you had to do it in the right, uh, before the pastor. And three, then you had to show that you were sorry by your penance, by your doing of good works and things of, of this sort. Uh, Luther, having gone to the scriptures, flips this around and says, there's not three parts, there's two um, Yes, once you have been forgiven, uh, it ought to result in a change of life, for sure, that which follows after, the fruits of faith. But there's only two parts to this. Contrition, as we learn about our sin. Second, that we hear about the forgiveness of sins, which is a free gift that comes from God. Uh, absolution. Uh, and so we believe in it or uh, trust in it. As it says here, not doubting, but firmly believing that by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. Coming back to tonight's theme, we're going to be going back to the Word again. The Word of God tells us this. That is where our trust, our trust is in what the Word says concerning that forgiveness of sins. So, we've got confession, includes confession and absolution. That would be confession and forgiveness. Um, Sometimes we refer to the whole thing as confession. Uh, Where are you going to go on Saturday night? Well, I'm going to go to confession. Well, aren't you going to get absolution? Well, yeah, that's part of it. Uh, We use a part to describe the whole. Um, We do that from time to time. Uh, This also is one way in which we speak about it. Questions? Second question for tonight. What sins should we confess? Repeat after me. Before God, Before God, God we should plead guilty of all sins. Even those we are not aware of. As we do in the Lord's Prayer. But before the pastor, we should confess only those sins which we know and feel in our hearts. We usually speak of three different uh, places in which confession goes on. One, before God we plead guilty of being 
having a sinful nature of being sinners, we plead guilty of all sins. Our Lord has taught us in the Lord's Prayer to say, forgive us our trespasses, our sins. Um, well, which are those? Well, some of those I don't even remember. Um, but the Lord leads us uh, before him to plead guilty of all sins and to do it each and every day uh, that we might remain in this uh, confession. Uh, the second kind of confession is not particularly mentioned in, in this paragraph from, from Luther is where you sin against somebody in particular. Um, if I have sinned against Dan, I don't go to Eric, I go to Dan and confess my sin, um, the particular sin that I have uh, uh, sinned against him. So what about this confession before the pastor? It says, but before the pastor, we confess only those sins which we know and feel in our hearts. The pastor has been sent to forgive sins. Do you have to confess any particular sins to him? It's voluntary. You don't have to. It's not required. Um, but if there are sins that trouble you, we do have a, a pastor who is to declare to you the forgiveness of sins. Um, we pledge him with his ordination vow to make his ears like a tomb so that he never is to repeat those sins um, and that he is to tell you what God says Regarding this, so that there is a sin that troubles you, one that you feel and know in your heart, yeah, here's a good place uh, where you can hear the forgiveness of sins and, and uh, receive that. And so uh, the Lutheran Church retained private confession absolution as uh, one more avenue, one more way in which uh, it's not required, it's voluntary, but you can have another avenue to give forgiveness of sins. Uh, in the sermon, uh, the pastor speaks to everybody. Well, good. And he's intending to speak to each one of you. Uh, however, if there is one particular sin that bothers you, you can come to individual confession and hear him speak to you about that particular sin and about the forgiveness that is for that. And so it is... Uh, um, it's the same forgiveness, but just in a, uh, in a different way. Questions? Bible passage for tonight. John chapter 14. Let's see. Uh, 23 and 24. Repeat after me. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me, he who does not love me, will not obey my teaching. Will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. 
They belong to the Father who sent me. With John 14, 23 and 24, Jesus connects our hearing, our obedience as it comes to the word of God, that we would want to hear the word of God and follow what it says. He connects that with our love of him and the Father uh, and being with him. And so he says, those who love the Father, those who are believers, love the Son, they're going to love his teaching. They're going to obey his They're going to desire. Of course we're going to fall short and there's going to be confession. But those who do not, who don't care about the word of God and don't wish to hear that, he says those are ones who, well, don't belong to him. And so he connects, well, uh, uh, we would say one sign of what we think of the word of God. We'll be returning to that uh, again with tonight's uh, reading from Matthew chapter 8. All right, we light the candles and we'll begin. stand. Oh Lord, open my lips. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O The reading is from Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed, and Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. 
and to another come, and he comes. And to my servant do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. This is God's word. Our hymn, Why Art Thou Cast Down My Soul? Why art thou cast on my soul? Oh, what mean thy sighs and sadness? Trust in him who makes thee whole. And thy griefs can turn to gladness. Often in the darkness thou, He reveals his love and power. On this ground thy anchor cast, Save thou art in Christ confiding. All the griefs which thou hast are but shadows unabiding. Soon thy cross shall pass away. Joy shall come that lasts forever. Christ's own way is always good. Christians find this consolation. He who brought thee with his love now stands pledged for thy salvation. Rest upon his sacred word that assurance of the Lord. Jesus gives us joy and tears, blessed be his name forever. When thy way most dark appears, trust in him, despond thou never. Weary soul when thou distress, call on Till we came and reached our home. 
Jesus is coming down from the mountain. He's been up on there. He's been teaching. That was where the Sermon on the Mount has gone on. Uh, we're at the end of that. His sermon is like Matthew 5, 6, 7. Now we're at Matthew 8. He's coming down from the mountain. Uh, what about the crowds? They're following. Why are they following? Well, they've heard his teaching. As he comes down from this teaching, here is Jesus seated upon the mountain, kind of like Moses uh, 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 telling them. It says that a leper comes up and meets him. What's the problem with a leper? He's unclean. Uh, he's got a skin disease. Uh, his skin is falling off. It hurts terribly. He's very contagious. He's unclean. Um, and yet there is a crowd of people, and here comes this leper. He knows who Jesus is. And what does it describe him as doing? Worshiping him. Worshiping him. Um, this is someone who knows exactly who Jesus is. He may not have been up on the mountain with him, uh, but uh, as he comes down, Jesus is immediately uh, to uh, uh, have to deal with, with great sickness. Um, he makes a request. It's a prayer of sorts. What does he ask? If it's your will, Bill. If it's your will. Um, yeah, is Jesus able to heal? Is he able to cleanse? Is he? Yes. But what does the leper want to know? If it's what you if, know needs to be done. Do you want to do this? Um, of course, God could heal every sickness um, immediately. And yet, the man comes saying, if you are willing. Um, he lays his need before, uh, before the Savior. Jesus reaches out his hand and touches him. Normally you wouldn't do that because it would make you unclean. <laughs> this is normally not a good idea with leprosy. Um, but what do happens? Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. So rather than Jesus becoming unclean, Jesus heals the man by touching him. Um, he said, I am willing to be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy is cleansed. Epiphany is a time of revelation. Epiphany is Jesus revealing who he is. When Jesus was teaching on the mountain, the Sermon on the Mount, he's teaching them for what purpose? 
So, so they might know who he is, that they might believe and that they might trust in him. When Jesus comes down and heals the leper, we know the man already worships him, already trusts in him. It fulfills prophecy. It did. And? So they'll know that he is God. Yes. He loves the man. He wants to do it. And, and, but the willing part. He's God. We know he can. Does he desire? Oh, he does this out of grace. He does this out. He would be true God even if he said to him, no, you need to stay in your leprosy. This is for your good. Oh, the thorn needs to remain. He doesn't. Um, he does this out of, out of love and mercy. He does this showing us, uh, uh, yes, that, that he is the Son of God and he will use that for our benefit. Immediately the man uh, is, is cleansed of his leprosy. But then Jesus says, don't tell anyone. Um, the multitude's following him. They're coming down the mountain. Um, I, I, it's not like Jesus can like keep this hidden. See that you tell no one. Who's he not supposed to tell? Well, Jesus is getting ready to send him on his way. Where is he going to send him? To the priest. Why? That's what you're supposed to do. There's Old Testament regulations concerning this. You can't, even though you're cleansed, you can't just go back into the community. There needs to be a, uh, a declaration. Uh, the priest checks you out. They uh, shave off the uh, hair. They come back in seven days. They check you again and say, yeah, you are clean. You're safe. You can go back in. Uh, um, uh, come and make the sacrifice. Jesus sends him to the priest to do these things. Why doesn't Jesus want the man telling anyone what has happened? The priest already fought and killed so. <laughs> True. True. Is it so that they won't see him as some magician, so to speak, and trust in, and that's what they want? He wants them to have faith instead of just, ooh, look at this cool thing, or something along those lines? Yeah. They don't, he doesn't want the people to follow him merely for the miracles. True. But the priest, if he doesn't know, he doesn't know what has happened. And someone comes to him. And the priest examines him, does this, examines him, that, that, yep, pronounces him clean. If he knows ahead of time that this is done in connection with Jesus. It's not a clean slate. Uh, he might be prejudiced against this. With this happening as it is, don't tell anyone, let's let the priest, let it be a testimony to them. They can pronounce you cleansed, and then afterwards you can tell them it was Jesus that did it. Um, don't go and tell you. Why does Jesus send him there? Well, this is the sacrifice of thanksgiving. This is what you do after God has provided. So, Jesus teaches them. Uh, now he provides a healing. 
which he's going to have the priest put his imprimatur on, um, and it will be a, uh, listen, I, I've got a verifiable miracle. Uh, Jesus is true God. Look at what he has done. That's like you said, because I didn't come to take away the law, he came to fulfill it. And that's what he does. Very good. And so for the leper as well, I've come to do what needs to happen, right? And then, very good. The law really isn't fulfilled until Good Friday. Until what? Good Friday. Well, yeah, completely right, absolutely, absolutely. He's in the process of doing that all through his ministry. He's fulfilling the Old Testament law. Most of the texts have pretty well one story. There's a couple of them that have two. This is one of those, Matthew 8, in which it doesn't stop with just this first account of his healing. And so we have a second account of a healing. This is from Matthew 8. It's actually also recorded in Luke's Gospel. Luke records it a little bit, uh, uh, a little fuller version, but we're going to use the Matthew 8 one. Uh, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a soldier, a centurion, someone who is over a large number of people, uh, says that his servant is paralyzed at home. And so he comes uh, and tells Jesus this. My servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Does he ask anything? No, he just presents his need to God. And leaves it up to Jesus. Um, he is surprised when Jesus says what? I'm going to come to your house. Um, did he expect Jesus? Yeah, I think he wanted Jesus to heal his, his servant. Absolutely. That's why he presented that to him. But he didn't think that Jesus was going to come to his house. Why not? <laughs> yeah, this house was dirty. He didn't want it. No. He's a Gentile, exactly. And so this normally Jews did not come uh, to Gentile. Now, this Gentile is is this just average, everyday, normal No, I mean th- this guy's in charge of, of uh, he's a centurion, he's a leader in the military. In addition to this, this is a God fearing Gentile. This is one, although he was not circumcised and in that way didn't accept all the law, he was a believer in the true God. In fact, Luke's gospel lets us know that he helped to, and it says that he, uh, 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 in effect, donated a synagogue. Um, now, the whole thing, I, I don't know, but maybe. Um, and so... Pharisees would never expect Jesus to do anything for them. The sinners, the leper, you know, the, you know, right. or the Gentile. This is, you know. Correct. Correct. And yet here is, you know, his mercy and, and all. Not only that, but the centurion is exactly the opposite of what the Pharisees expect Jesus to take care of because unclean is bad enough, but somebody who's part of the oppressive Romans that they would really like off their back is even worse. You know, they're looking for a bread king, and not only is Christ not a bread king, he's helping the enemy, as they would see them anyway. 
So the centurion, I, I, is surprised when Jesus says, I'm going to come to your house. I, I didn't expect you to do that. More than that, what does he say? I'm not worthy. Um, is that true? I'm not worthy to have you come under my house. Yeah, he's a sinner. So what about a Jew? What if a Jew came to Jesus? Are they worthy to have him come under their house? Nobody is. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So, wait a minute. Yeah, we're not either. Um, exactly. And so the and 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 yet you know you you look at this and go, oh my goodness, um, this man realizing although. He has come, says, no, I'm not, I'm not worthy for you to come. I didn't. I, I. He's got another solution for Jesus. He says, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. All you have to do is say it. You don't have to come to my house. What about that? He says... I got people under me. I tell them what to do. They go. They do it. My word works. You're the one who is in authority. You're the one who can say the word, and it will happen. Sounds an awful lot like faith, doesn't it? Yes, it does. (laughs) He understands that Jesus is greater than anything. You know that he has a greater authority than anybody anywhere. Right. So we do have, you know, Jesus touching the leper and healing him and all. Um, Of course. But this centurion goes much farther and says, listen, I I know exactly who you are. Um, You don't even have to be there in the same room. Um, It is your word that I trust in. And so uh, uh, he uh, uh, says, just say the word. Jesus' response is marveling. He marveled. Uh, and said, the great faith that this man has, he says, I've not seen that even in Israel. Um, That is, of those who are my people who have been taught these things, they ought to be the ones that are trusting in my word and being able to tell me this thing. And yet it takes a Gentile who says, no, uh, uh, your word is enough. I need not have even you uh, uh, come to my house. Uh, Verse 11, and I say to you, that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. How does he describe the kingdom of heaven? All people will come and join the church from everywhere. Right. And so he talks about the church as being connected with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which is where he... But... We're all children by adoption. But coming from the east and the west, coming from... He says, wait a minute... Uh, this is not going to be an exclusive crowd in which we take those who are unworthy. In fact, what we're going to find is there are those who have faith and they're all going to come to this church. Um, they will take their places and they will sit down with them. And so uh, the church is made up of those who hear the word and believe it. Verse 12, though, describes those who do not believe. He describes them, uh, the sons of the kingdom. 
will be cast out into outer darkness. These are the Jews who were a part of the kingdom and yet did not hold to his word, rejected Jesus. Um, He says that they will be cast out. Verse 13, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Faith receives the gift. Uh, Jesus says this in many different ways, in which he talked, if you only had faith as small as a mustard seed. Well, here he says, if that is, you know, your faith, trust in that word, let it be as your faith is, you receive. Where there is faith, the gift is uh, uh, taken. And so, yes, uh, even by his word, that servant was healed at that, at that very hour. Faith trusts in, in the word. It's that which it holds uh, to it. On your pink sheet, yeah, uh, Jane? Comment. These are two examples of what our faith should be. Always knowing that God's will, whatever it is, is the best, and knowing that the power is in the word of God. Yes. And that's what we should trust. And that's exactly. It gives us an exa- ex- the example, twice. Yeah. Um, um, laying our needs before him. Asking that his will be done, trusting in what he is giving us, and yet that word being enough. So, yes, very good. Um, in the pink sheet, uh, these are the prayers that I use in preparation for uh, uh, communion. Uh, there are three prayers at the top. Uh, usually I use one of those in connection with uh, uh, before receiving Lord's Supper. You, you also may use, you know, a prayer like this or your own. There's some that are listed in the prayer before you come forward. Um, before receiving the bread, about the middle of the page, I will receive the bread of heaven and call upon the name of the Lord. Lord, I'm not worthy. You should come under my roof, but only speak the word and my soul shall be healed. Words are changed just a little bit, but enough in which we to say, ah, oh, uh, Jesus is coming to me under the bread and wine. He's coming in his body and blood. Um, I'm not worthy of this, and yet I ask uh, that uh, I might be healed uh, by it. The body of our Lord Jesus, which was given for me, preserve my body and soul and everlasting life. Amen. After receiving, then, the next part includes, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and so shall I be saved from my enemies. So, taking up the, the cup, uh, the chalice, uh, here it uh, speaks of the salvation which the Lord has won. That is, faith is to receive it. The blood of our Lord Jesus, which was shed for me, preserve my body and soul and everlasting life. Amen. Questions? All right, get out your blue sheet, your responsive prayer for catechesis, and please stand. Holy God, holy and most gracious Father, you shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. 
Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. He turns rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground. All fruitful lands into the rivers, for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. He turns a wilderness into pools of water, and dry land into water springs. And so fields and plant vineyards that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them and they multiply greatly. Whoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Glory be 
Almighty and everlasting God, mercifully look upon our infirmities and in all our dangers and necessities, stretch forth the right hand of your majesty to help and defend us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. The final petition. O God, who has sounded into our ears thy divine and salutary oracles, illuminate the souls of us sinners to the comprehension of that which has been read, so that we may not only be seen to be hearers of spiritual things, but doers of good works, following after faith without guile, blameless life, conversation without charge of guilt, in Christ Jesus our Lord, with whom thou art blessed, with thy most holy and good and quickening spirit, now and ever, and the ages of ages. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Amen. Amen.